You are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. And we're going to talk today about compliance, how and why our patients do or don't stick to their treatment programs. The real problem is that patients may or may not tell us how many or how much of our prescriptions they've taken. And today we're going to talk to a physician who's decided to learn the truth about the all-too-human behavior of missing medications. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Stephen Feldman, who is professor of dermatology, anatomic pathology, and public health sciences at Wake Forest Medical Center, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having me today, Michael. We're talking about compliance. I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I don't take my medication all the time. I think you don't, too. Everybody does it. So let's talk about what we physicians can do. First of all, let's go over the study that you did in just a few minutes. Just recap it so that we know what we're talking about here, how you got interested in this. We did an eight-week study where we had patients use a medication twice a day, and we monitored their use of the medication using electronic monitors built into the medication bottle caps. Patients were told they're being monitored, but they weren't told about the computer chips. We mentioned to them to keep a daily diary and bring the bottles back for us to weigh so we could see how much medicine they used. In this eight-week study, we saw them back every two weeks. For the first day of the study, they used their medicine great. Their use of the medication steadily declined over this short eight-week study, increasing just before the office visits every two weeks. It was quite a learning experience for me to see what patients did. In their diaries, of course, they said they used their medicine religiously. You could see over time that they said they would use their medicine just the way we told them to, but the computer chips don't lie. They told us what was really happening. Of these people in your study, were there any physicians? I don't know. I wonder how physicians do in compliance against the general public. We looked at the first 10 patients who were in the study to look specifically at their behavior. There was one patient who was perfect, who used the medicine exactly the way they said they did in their diaries. I call this phenomenon obsessive-compulsive disorder. This reminds me of those patients, usually the engineers who come in, and they've got written in their own block, all-caps lettering that they've handwritten in every medicine that they take and the dose they're on, uh, when they were on it, when they stopped it, and it's all printed out on graph paper. Those patients use their medicines exactly the way you tell them. Then there were a couple who used the medicine maybe just once or twice over the first several weeks, but reported that they used it all the time. Some people would call that antisocial personality disorder. Other people might call those patients liars. I tend to think of that as normal patient behavior. I think the other research subjects in the study who were using the medicine well were fairly well. They're highly motivated research subjects being paid as part of the study, being monitored, keeping a daily treatment diary. That isn't normal patient behavior. Right. Well, obviously... We physicians give our patients medications because we know it's going to help them. We don't give it to them for fun. How can we and our interactions influence patients taking of their medications? Can we even? Oh, absolutely. The neat thing about this area is that it's not rocket science. It's human behavior. It's stuff that we see and do in our daily lives and what we can learn from. For example, if you're trying to get a child to take a medication on a regular basis, then you're really dealing with the parents. I'm reminded of the time I put my son to bed, you know, got him in bed, gave him his book, turned on the nightlight and everything. I come out, my wife says to me, did you brush his teeth? And I'm like, uh, no, did you brush his teeth? And it seems like in a two-parent household, 
if one person isn't responsible for something, that thing may not get done. Each will, each will assume the other is doing it. So a simple thing, characteristic of, of, of the kinds of practical things that it takes to get people to use their medicines, at least in children, is to designate one parent as the responsible party. How about communicating to patients the fact that we know they don't take their medications? Do you think that would help if we explained about compliance? I think it may well could, but I think there are other practical things that probably are more important. I think if we ask somebody to do something for the rest of their life or for two months, three months, and then have them come back, which seems like the rest of their life to them, they're not going to be very likely to do it. They may do it kind of intermittently. If we had them do something for three days or maybe a week, I think they'd be much more likely to do it. I think of this as the lines of people's flossing behavior. If the dentist says to their patient, hey, I want you to floss every day. It's important for your gums. I'll see you back in six months. Only that obsessive compulsive person like me will actually floss their teeth every day. But if the dentist said to the same person, put their hand on their shoulder and said, listen, I'm really worried about your gums. I want you to floss twice a day. I'm going to see you back here in the office in one week. I think people's flossing behavior would be dramatically better. And if they saw in that week that their gums actually felt different, felt better, then they would be inclined to use their dental floss on a regular basis. I agree. And even, especially the dental floss tastes good. You are listening to Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. And I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host. And with us today is Dr. Stephen Feldman from Wake Forest Medical Center, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And we're discussing compliance, how and why our patients don't follow our treatment plans. More ideas on what we can say to patients to get them to take their medications or to tell us the truth. I think the the power of an office visit is very much underestimated. My kids are taking piano lessons now, and they're doing very well. Into we the recital, it was great. But you could imagine a situation where you have two piano teachers, and one piano teacher says, listen, we're going to have a lesson every week, but really for you to get good, you have to practice every day, and we're going to have a recital at the end of eight weeks. You go to that recital, things are great. Another piano teacher says to the kids, listen, you need to practice every day. We're going to skip the weekly lessons because that's not what's going to make you better. What's going to make you better is your daily practice. At the end of eight weeks, we're going to have a recital. That recital is going to sound horrible because the kids aren't going to practice because there are no weekly lessons forcing them to do the practice. One of the things that I was taught in my training was that when new medications are approved, use them fast before they stop working because it seems like new medicines work much better in the clinical trials than they do in real life. Well, you could imagine a, a clinical trial of some new medication where they bring the patient back every two weeks to assess their outcome as part of the study. And then the drug gets approved for eight weeks. We get that drug. We tell people here in the studies, people did great. Use it for eight weeks and, and come on back. Well, we're, we're kind of like the piano teacher who didn't have the lessons forcing people to be compliant. And their outcomes are never quite as good. I kind of think of this as sort of a Heisenberg uncertainty principle where the observation of the patient at intervals actually changes that which you are observing. It makes people more compliant. It makes the outcomes better. So in other words, what you're telling us is when we see our patients back on a more regular basis, instead of us turning them loose for a long period of time, we actually get better outcomes. Yes, especially with the first visit, the first return visit. If you're seeing a patient and they're doing poorly and you're seeing them every couple months and they're doing poorly, they're doing poorly, you're frustrated, they're frustrated, that's clearly not an ideal situation. If you see them once at baseline, get them started on a medicine, tell them to come back in one week or 
hand them your cell phone number and say, listen, I'm really concerned about how you're doing. Call me in one week. Let me know how this medicine works for you. It almost forces them to use that medicine for the first week. They see that it does well, and then they'll continue doing well, and you don't even need return visits every eight weeks for the rest of their life. You may actually reduce the number of visits required by having that one early return visit. So what you're telling us is that nothing breeds success like success. That's right. And another thing that I think is critically important for getting patients to use their medication is for them to trust you. When they get home and they open the package insert, I don't care what the medicine is, they're going to be terrified. And if they think you're an uncaring physician who's just in it for the money, they're not going to use the medicine. But if you've taken time to establish a relationship with them where they're trusting, they're going to look at that package insert and they're going to go, you know, Dr. Greenberg knows what he's doing. I trust him. All right, I'm going to use this stuff. And they will have better outcomes. There have been studies that have looked at patients' satisfaction with their office visit and subsequent outcomes. And the patients who were more satisfied initially ended up having better outcomes later. And I think it's probably an effect mediated by their compliance with their medication. Well, here's a two-part question. Do you ever ask patients not to look at that insert because it's really terrifying? It's terrifying to me sometimes to look at it. Or what do you think about creating your own handouts for medications? How does that help compliance? I think those are great ideas. When I'm treating children with eczema or with whatever disease they have, the moms are terrified of the medications that, that we're giving them. We use for eczema, we use steroids. Now, when mom hears the word steroid, she's thinking about Barry Bonds. She's thinking about East German women Olympic swimmers. She's not thinking about hydrocortisone. So I'm very careful when I'm talking to a mom not to use the word steroid, to see she and her child back in a short interval. And when she asks me, are there side effects? Are side effects? I'm going to see you back next week. There are not going to be any side effects. And, and I'll make it clear. What I'm going to ask you to do is difficult. I'll tell the moms, you know, you've got to do this once or twice a day, whatever it is. It's not easy to remember. I need you to do this. It's only going to be for some short period of time. Now, once they see that it works and it's working well without side effects, then they're going to be willing to continue the therapy. All right. What about using your own handouts? Do you think that they're worth using and creating? I think they are definitely worth using and creating. When my gerontologist sent me for my first colonoscopy, it was a fabulous medical experience. Everything about it was, was terrific, in part because I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew exactly how to prepare myself because there were great written handouts. I think it's kind of difficult to do people who are on the medical side of medicine. If you're on the surgical side and you're doing the same procedure over and over again, it's relatively easy to standardize things and, and let patients know what's about to happen. On the medical side, it's a little more difficult because we have so many different diseases, we have so many different drugs. To the extent that we can really give patients crystal clear instructions, I think they're going to have better compliance and better outcomes. I agree. Do you think that mothers are more compliant than fathers when it comes to kids? In short, yes, I, th I think so. I think they, they may be more terrified of the medications, which may make them more reluctant, but I think they're probably better organized, certainly if my household is any example of that. It's certainly going to vary. If it turns out the dad in the household is the one who's responsible for making sure the homework gets done every day, they're probably the one to make sure the medicine gets taken every day also. Do you ever advise patients to look at or avoid the Internet to get information about medications? You mentioned the steroids, and people get on there and they get terrified. I think patients do better with more information. I have no objection to them using the Internet. I want them to, to have information on all their options. 
that makes it easier for me to be their doctor. Do you guide them to appropriate websites, however, so they don't get some of the internet junk that's out there? Well, it's it's actually very easy for me because I specialize in psoriasis, and there's a fabulous organization, the National Psoriasis Foundation, and their website, psoriasis.org. If you're practicing in an area where you have that kind of organization, a diabetes association, an asthma organization, where you can send somebody for really good information that you can trust, that's certainly a, a great situation to be in. I want to thank Dr. Stephen Feldman, who is a triple professor at Wake Forest Medical Center in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And we've been discussing compliance, how and why both we and our patients don't follow our treatment plans. I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. We value your comments and questions and welcome suggestions for future shows. Please send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and we truly thank you for listening.